ready to be encouraged this morning as we continue to share the vision of our church with you. Again, um, as you remember, that's what we've been doing over, over the last two weeks. And uh, I trust this morning as we just go through just another aspect of our vision as a church family this morning that you really will be encouraged by what you hear and by what we're involved in together. And if you remember, we mentioned that within our vision, we use three key words to capture what's at the heart of our church. These words being reach, renew, and release. And we use each of these words to point to key biblical values that are found in God's word that we want to characterize our lives and that we also want to live by and flourish in as individuals, but also as God's family together. Yeah, so the last two weeks, we've been taking the first part of our vision, which is the word reach. And we've been looking at how our lives can reach to one another and also how our lives can reach out to the world in which we live. And this morning, we're going to look at the next part of our vision, which is the word renew. And that basically means living our new life that we have in Christ now. So I love us to have a look at this scripture found in Corinthians 5. And it says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That is exciting news to us. When we invite Jesus into our lives, it's not like life goes on as it was, except now we've got Jesus with us. No, the Bible clearly says that when we invite Jesus into our lives, we get a brand new start. Everything that characterized our lives before Jesus is no longer, and we have a brand new start in him. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is so encouraging because we all need new beginnings. We all need new starts for our lives. And it's wonderful th to think that this is what Jesus has given us when we invite him into our lives. Do you know, I think one of the reasons why I get so excited every week to come into this place and just sing my praises to God with you all is because I look at my life and I see how, how Jesus has made it brand new. You know, so many areas of my life and, you know, he's completely transformed and the work hasn't finished. There's a lot, there's a lot of work to do. But but even what has happened, what has occurred in my life is, is a total miracle. And it's wonderful just to, 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 to realize that, to see that, and to come into God's house every week and join with you and just declare my praises to God as I think over my life. It's, it's such a wonderful, it really is such a wonderful testimony to God's miraculous power. Each and every one of our lives are, are a story of this new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And just like Faye read from, from 2 Corinthians, you know, old things have gone. Yeah. 
all things about our lives have become, have become brand new. And when we look at God's word, you know, over and over again, we see uh, these words occurring on, on many different occasions. If it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, these words renew. The word new, over and over again, we see them because God is emphasizing to us that he wants his new life to abound in our lives. The wonderful thing is, is that we don't have to wait to have, till we get to heaven, you know, to see this new life of Christ unfolding in our lives. We get to live this new life right now. Right in the here and now, we get to see his new life at work in our lives. Again, I think it was in Corinthians where, where Paul says, you know, our outer man is getting older. It's getting weaker. We all know that. That's true. But he says, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. None of us want to get old. None of us want to want to feel, you know, like the, the, the pressures of time on our on our outer body. But it's it's a reality. But the wonderful thing is that whilst our outer man is getting weaker and getting older, hallelujah, there's a brand new work that's occurring in our lives day after day as we live our lives in Christ Jesus. This was Paul, the apostle's main message to believers when he spoke to them and on to us too. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says this, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And then again, in Romans, Paul talks about an incredible transformation that takes place in our lives as our minds are renewed in God. Listen to his words in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says this, And do not be conformed to this world, or don't be molded or shaped any longer by this world around us, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul is talking about such a wonderful transformation taking place in our lives. And the word that he uses, you may or may not know this, but the word that he uses there in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 for transformation is the word metamorphosis. And this metamorphic change that Paul talks about is, is just like the change that occurs in that little caterpillar's life when he's crawling on the ground, in the dust, in the dirt, and he goes into a chrysalis state and he begins to encounter a metamorphic change to become a butterfly. That's how dramatic the change is in our lives. That little caterpillar, before it goes into that chrysalis, can't envisage it ever having wings to fly. It can't envis envisage that it's ever going to have, you know, the grace 
and the beauty that a butterfly has. But it goes into a metamorphic state of change and then comes out completely transformed. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He's saying, listen, our lives in Christ now are, are encountering wonderful, glorious transformation. Your life could change dramatically with just one thought, one new thought, one new understanding of God in Christ can bring about such a great, wonderful, beautiful change in our lives. And that's how our lives are renewed. That's how our lives are transformed. That's the, 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 the whole life that we have now in Christ Jesus. When I think about being renewed, it is incredible. Listening, to, like David said, to the transformation that takes place. It is like nothing that we've experienced in our lives prior to knowing Jesus. It is so powerful what takes place. And sometimes it's not got the crash of fireworks that accompany it that we're sometimes used to when we see um, big things happen in our lives. But that doesn't mean that there's any less power in what God is doing in our lives as he brings us to this new life. So what does it look like then for our lives to be renewed? How does that play out on a daily basis? Because, you know, we are being changed from glory to glory. And it is a process that we're involved in. Jesus says we're on a new road. But then like we've, said, and we've read, there is a renewing that needs to take place. So what does that renewing look like? What does that engagement look like? Because it's not that Jesus... Jesus just, um, you know, does it all for us. He's done it all on the cross, but this is where we get to participate in our lives being renewed. And I love um, just when I think of what, when I read the Bible, I love to think of how the Lord wants us to participate in this renewal process. So here's some things to maybe help yourself, help ourselves as we look at how our lives can be renewed and what that looks like practically. The first thing I'd say is it looks like relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. That's at the heart of what his um, Jesus has for us. He so wants to be in relationship with us. Listen to what it says in Colossians 3 that Dave's just read recently. He says, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. As you learn to know your creator. That's about relationship. That's about us getting to know him more. And we'll know from the relationships that we have in our lives, that's a two-way thing. We spend time with people that we want to have a relationship with. We get to know them. So what does it look like practically with our relationship with Jesus? Well, just like we would spend time getting to know somebody and make time for them, we want to make time with Jesus as well. We get to talk to him openly. You know, in my life, I literally include Jesus into every aspect of my day. I'm constantly talking to him because he's my best friend. 
And he wants each one of us to have that relationship where we can talk to him. We can share with him. We can be like, Lord, today as I go about my day, will you help me? Will you give me wisdom to deal with the situations that I'm dealing with? Will you give me a heart of compassion for people that I meet? Will you give me a, an ear to listen to what people are saying so that I can encourage them? It's a conversation. It's a talk. Jesus wants us to have a relationship with him, to spend time with him. That's why the Bible says about praying without ceasing. Because prayer is a conversation that we're having between God and him. It's not just about meeting on a Sunday where we get to meet with Jesus and where our relationship with him grows. What we, when we come together as um, believers on a Sunday, it's powerful to be nourished by the word of God. But beyond that, we want to put that word that we've received into practice. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how we can live that out. We want to talk to him. So a relationship with Jesus is what's at the heart of everything. Take time every day to, and throughout the day to speak with him. And allow him, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to guide us and show us what to do. The next thing I'd say is to read the word of God. Make it our priority. As we learn about him, one of the ways we learn is to find out more from God's word about who he is. In Isaiah 55, it says that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways and his thoughts are far higher than our ways. So the reality is when we go about daily life, if we don't know the way that God thinks and we don't know the way that he would act, it's very difficult for us to then act as he would act or to live the way that he would live. I mean, who who would have thought it certainly would never come from my life to say do good to those who persecute you or love your enemies that is not in my heart towards somebody else I'll be honest my you know without Jesus my kind of stance on thing is a bit more like an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth you know you hurt me I'll hurt you but it's only through reading that I get to discover that actually there's a whole new level of life that Jesus has called us to, that the way that I would do things and the way that I would think is right actually looks completely different to what God's way is. And my way is always inferior, always inferior. So let's take time to read the word of God. And practically, what does that look like? Well, there's amazing resources available to us as believers, especially in a digital age that we live in. Um, so I would really encourage you to take advantage of all the different ways there are to get the Word of God into your hands. There's the Bible, like buying a Bible. I know when I was um, first a Christian, um, a, a new believer, I looked to get a study Bible. And what I loved about a study Bible was at the bottom of the Bible, you'd have all the verses, and then at the bottom, there'd often be kind of a little bit of dialogue that it would expand on the verse that I just read, or that would then cross-reference what I just read, and it would say, check out this scripture further on in the Bible, and all of a sudden, I could begin to join the dots. 
So I'd say get a Bible that will help unpack things, that will help show you and what you're reading, and find a version you understand. Find a version that you think, you know, there's so many, the Bible is so old that there are old versions out there and they were contemporary in the language that they were written in. But also as languages progress, there's newer versions out there. If you love reading the King James Version with the these and those, go for it. But if you think, actually, I'm struggling to understand the language, that's okay. For me, I really love reading the New Living Translation. I've looked at the message, I amplified the NIV. There's lots of great, um, credible um, versions for us to read that really speak the way that we are speaking. So get a Bible that you can understand. Download, if you've got um, a phone, download the YouVersion Bible app onto there. Again, there you'll be able to kind of unload, um, unlock so many different versions of the Bible. But beyond that, they actually have like devotionals on there that may be on different subjects. So if you wanted to know more about love, you can unlock um, devotionals on love or peace, healing. There's so many different um, devotionals there. And um, I'd encourage you to do that. I'd also, like I um, sent out at the beginning of the year, looking at a one-year Bible where there's some kind of narrative around it. Nikki Gumbel does a brilliant Bible version that I've used over recent years that have been a great encouragement for me. But just reading the Word, finding out more are some practical things that you, can, you and I can do to help learn more about Jesus. And then once we've read it, what can be really good is taking key scriptures that are important to us and memorizing them, remembering them. Because when you're in a situation, oftentimes you might not have access to quickly get your Bible, but if you've got key words and key passages from the Bible that you've memorized, you can begin to recount them, recite them, and encourage your um, encourage yourself in those things. And the word of God is so important. Listen to what Timothy says in Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That word useful means profitable, helpful, advantageous. The word of God will profit us. We'll never be depleted by reading and investing our life into um, understanding the word of God. No, that word of God is going to enlarge our lives and help us to live in a completely new level. A level that God has set aside for us that is filled with his plan and purpose for our lives. And also just to encourage us, like instruction and correction is not negative. <laughs> you know, oftentimes we're like, oh, well, I can do it on my own like that. And we can get a bit uppity if somebody tries to point us in a, a direction. But there's nothing wrong with instruction and correction. It's actually what helps us to grow as people. So when the Holy Spirit comes and he may just do a bit of a, you know, all of a sudden you feel a bit unsettled in your heart. You've read something and you think, well, I've read this 
am I going to put it into practice or am I not? And you kind of feel that little niggle, like, come on, you can do it. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, let my word instruct you. Come on, you can do this. You can actually choose to forgive somebody, even if what they've done is very wrong and they've hurt you. You can, you can forgive, not because of who you are, but because I'm living in you and you can make a choice to forgive and allow the love of God to move through your life. So never feel that his correction or instruction is a negative part of the journey. It's not. It's what enables us to grow and become stronger. And within that, we're not perfect, okay? So also, if there's times where we fail or we choose to ignore, because sometimes we do do that. You know when we have selective hearing, you know, we do that in relationships and conversations. People are saying things that we don't want to hear, so we just pretend we never heard them. Well, the same thing can move over into our relationship with God. You know, his word comes to challenge us and encourage us to new, live on a new level, and we just pretend we haven't heard it. Well, you know, when we do those things, the great thing is about God is that he is so forgiving and patient with us. And he doesn't say, right, that's it. They're ignoring me. I'm going to ignore them. And when they come to me for help, I'm not going to give it. He's not that kind of God. God is so patient with us. And he knows that we stumble. And he knows that we don't always um, get it right. But God in his love and patience, when we return to him and say, oh, Lord, I messed up here. I completely chose to to ignore that part of the Bible because it didn't suit me and my, what I wanted to do. He just encourages us and say, come on then, let's give it a go again. Let's try this. So never feel when we fail, I fail, we all fail. Never feel like there's no comeback from it. There is. Just go to God and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've messed up. Will you help me? And he's always the kind of God that will say yes. Of course, let's carry on. Let's do this. We can do this together. I was reading in Isaiah, like I, I shared with you, about God's thoughts not being our thoughts and his ways not being our ways. And I just want to leave a final thought with you from Isaiah 55. And I was so blessed by this scripture when I read it earlier this week. And I think it almost encapsulates how we should approach our relationship with God and how we should approach the word of God as we allow it to change and transform our lives. Isaiah 55, three says this, come to me with your ears wide open, listen and you will find life. I think that is a beautiful scripture to help and encourage us. Ears wide open to listen to what the voice of the Lord has to say through the word of God and as he prompts and speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And then doing what he um, says, listening and watching our lives flourish, I think is an exciting, exciting journey that we're all on. Fabulous. You know, that... Um just those words from Isaiah that Faye just read. It's a beautiful picture of a relationship, isn't it? It really is. That's the relationship that we have with the Lord. You know, so many people just think that Jesus is a subject to learn about in a classroom, like, you know, some history lesson that you, you inform yourself 
on in relation to the past, who he was. And, but that's not the message of the Bible. You know, Jesus isn't a subject to, to learn about in some classroom. Jesus is a person, a living person that we get to have a relationship every single day with. And, you know, life for all of us changes every single day. There can, there can be great times and there can be some not so great times in our lives. But on every occasion, we get to have this relationship with Jesus and he is there for us at every point of life. You know, some of the greatest lessons that we learn in life, some of the, some of the greatest moments in life, in our walk with God, in our relationship with him, can be in some of the darkest moments when we don't know what to do, where to turn. And we, we, we're struggling with pressures that we're facing. It can be in those moments that God's word speaks to us. That God's word comes alive in our hearts. You know, I, I look back on my life and, and I see such moments, you know, um, where the Holy Spirit has allowed me to go through certain situations in my life so that I get to a point where I don't know what to do or where to turn. So obviously you turn to the Lord. And it's in that moment where his voice is so clear. His, his word is so alive to direct you and help you and take you on. I think in John chapter 14, John the Apostle talks about, well, Jesus is talking about in John chapter 14 about the Holy Spirit. And he calls him the helper. And he, the Holy Spirit, is the promised one that would come, who would be exactly like Jesus, representing Jesus to us, walking with us every single day to help us. You know, how many times have you called on the help of the Lord? How many times have we, have we received his guidance? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. The Holy Spirit will be your leader. He will be your comforter. These are all pictures of our communion, of our relationship, of our walk with the Lord. And he comes and uses every moment of life that we face to, to draw closer and deeper with us. It's wonderful. And our lives are renewed. Our lives are strengthened. Sometimes we can be held hostage in our minds by fears. We can be held hostage by thoughts in our minds that seem to back us in a corner that are very real, that are overpowering. And it's in those moments that the Holy Spirit can come and bring truth, bring light, bring guidance, and set us free. And so that, so that we see transformation taking place. It's a relationship that we have. This is a brand new life. And this is one of the reasons why we highlight this word renew in our vision because we want to emphasize that it's the word of God that transforms our lives. It's the word and the promises of God and the work of the Holy Spirit that enables us to, to live our new life now in Christ Jesus. 
it, it's, it's wonderful. You know, you look around this room and you'll see miracles. You will see stories of God's power in operation. You, you, you'll see people whose lives have been made brand new. Where old things have gone and all things have become new. Our lives are a testimony of God's goodness. A testimony of his grace. And I'm sure that all of us can, can look back and remember those wonderful moments where God has come and brought newness of life in our lives. The old way of living tries to come back. The old way of living tries to raise its ugly head and, and look for its part in our lives. But Jesus said, hey, listen, it's dead on the cross. We take up our cross and we can crucify that old life so that we can live in the wonders of his, his new life. One testimony that, I, that I've heard over the years that encourages me so much is the testimony of Paul Marshall, both Paul and Hillary. We've, you know, on occasions we've, we've heard such um, a powerful message come from their lives as they've encouraged us in, in hearing, you know, like the word of God work at work in their lives. And I want to ask Paul to come now and just share with us, you know, aspects of how he's seen the word of God at work in his life to bring restoration and to bring newness of life. Come on, let's welcome Paul. Thank you, Paul. Right, well, good, good morning, everyone. Uh, Dave asked me to uh, share about the power of Scripture to change lives. And uh, what you are looking at is uh, a man with two legs, two arms, on a size 10 feet. And uh, this is the body that contains a miracle. This contains a miracle. And uh, I've got to try and condense 46 years into 10 minutes. A difficult one, but anyway, um, I'm going back to the late 70s, and uh, I had a wonderful wife, a beautiful wife, a wonderful mother, uh, two wonderful children, a w beautiful house, uh, a very successful business, uh, a Mercedes in the drive, and uh, from the external, everything looked incredible. But one thing I did have, I had a drink problem. I had a drink problem, and uh, what that did, that caused me to become very aggressive. Not physically, but with my tongue. I would slice you to pieces with my tongue the things that I would say, the, um, the awful things, the, the resentments that I would have towards people, the judgmentalism, the pointing, the criticizing, the finding fault, the not being available. 
Do you know what it's like when the light's on but nobody's at home? I don't know how my ex-wife put up with me for as long as she did because I wasn't available. I wasn't available. And um, one on the 15th of December, 1977, I booked a restaurant in Clifton. Clifton comes into this lot. Clifton in Bristol, that's where we, we are, from Bristol. And uh, I booked a restaurant for all my employees and their wives for a Christmas do. And uh, cut a long story short, I can't remember anything that happened there. I went into a complete blackout. But all I do know is, when I woke up in the morning, I have never felt guilt and shame like I had at that moment. I just didn't know what to do when I said, the pain of shame was unbearable, unbearable. And I didn't know why, because I'd gone into a blackout I didn't know what I did, uh, but I came downstairs and my wife looked at me and didn't say a word. You know what it is? They're not speaking, they look at you with absolute contempt. With absolute contempt. And I left the house and I thought, what am I gonna do? And uh, I thought, I'm gonna kill myself. So I drove to the Clifton Suspension Bridge, Clifton again, and uh, now, for those, those of you that hear this word suicide, is that you might sort of think, pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. Don't be so selfish. You've got a family, you've got responsibility. But when you are in that stage of pain, suicide, is the ultimate pain reliever. The ultimate pain reliever. And I didn't think about anything else. I wanted to get away from this shame, guilt, and remorse that I was overwhelmed with. I went to the bridge to contemplate going over. Now, the attraction of the Clifton Suspension Bridge is that it's definite. You go over and there is no turning back. That is the, that's why so many people used to jump over the bridge. But since then is the, anyway, I don't know what to talk about that, but, but the, the point being is that I sense this voice and it said to me, who's gonna look after your kids? With that, I came off the bridge, I drove home and my wife was there and I said, what am I going to do about my drinking? And she said, don't really care. Took the kids and left. And uh, I threw myself on the settee and cried like I'd never cried before. Absolute distraught. I just didn't know, not know what to do. I couldn't li live with this absolute turmoil in my spirit. And I sensed this voice. I now know that it was the Holy Spirit, <laughs> but I didn't know at the time. And um, this voice said, pick up the telephone book. I picked up the telephone book and then it was yellow pages. And there were these self-help organizations various on, on page seven. And it was though someone had got a highlighter and highlighted this particular organization and I rang it. And um, the person I spoke to said, are you an alcoholic? And 
I didn't know. I knew I had a drink problem, but I didn't know the extent of it. And uh, I said, I don't really know. He said, would you like to speak to somebody? Cut a long story short, I, was, I met a group of people just like me that couldn't stop drinking. The obsession was so powerful that there was no way that I could stop. People would say, stop, just stop it. Just stop drinking. Don't you think I would if I could? Don't you think I could? So what you saying to me, just stop it. Behave yourself. And I can't. I can't, because I was so overwhelmed by this obsession. And um, I met these group of people that were just like me, helped me. And I met this one man, and uh, he'd been sober a long time. And he was talking to me about his life. And he said, I was sleeping rough on a bomb site in Glasgow, and I'd had a bad time and anything to eat and I found this chicken and I rang this chicken's neck and ate it raw. Now I thought I don't identify with that. I you know that is not my experience but what he did say he said at that moment he said I can't go on living like this and I thought that was exactly how I felt the day before. I can't go on living like this. And the obsession at that moment, the mental obsession was taken away. I had never had a desire to drink from that moment on. But what did happen, I was still stark raving mad. I was not drinking, but I was no different. Blaming everybody. It was everybody else's fault, not mine. Oh, no, not me, not me. No, I could point the finger at you and tell you what you were doing wrong. See, what I was doing, I was not drinking, but I still had the alcoholic behavior. And I met this guy, another one. His name was John. Now, John had been in a mental hospital 34 times, and he was a Christian <laughs> and a manic depressive. So I've got some really interesting friends. And he said to me, he said, Paul... If you don't do something, you're going to drink again. And I didn't want to drink, but I didn't know what to do. And there was, there was, a, there was part of this program that they were talking about, and there was a, an aspect, and it said, admitted to God, to yourself, and to another human being, the exact nature of your wrongs. So I wrote down all the things that I did, the bad behavior, the way that I treated people, the people that I'd stolen from, uh, the people I abused, all this kind. I wrote it down and acknowledged my faults in it, my, my bad character. I was a horrible man. And John said, I know where you can go to tell somebody this. There's a church in Bristol called Pip and Jay. St. Philip and St. James. And this was one of the only churches in Bristol that John Wesley was allowed to preach in. And I went in there, and there was this guy, Rolf. <laughs> I've never seen him since, Rolf. I sat down in this little room with Rolf, and I told him all of this, these things. And he said to me at the end, he said, Paul, how'd you feel? I said, my heart was going. I said, I feel empty. I feel empty. And he said, he gave me this. He gave me this card. He said to me, he said, read this. So you're this, I'm going to read it to you. 
It says, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. I ask your forgiveness and now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you for dying on the cross for me to set me free from my sins. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And bam, I got hit by fork lightning. This heat went into my head down to my size 10 feet. I, I, it was incredible. And then he said to me, he said, when you go out of here, tell the first person you see that you've asked Jesus into your life. No, I wasn't ready for this. I hadn't gone to this. I didn't want any of this stuff. I, I wasn't interested in it. I wanted to go out there and whoop it up still. Anyway, I opened the door, and who's standing there? It's Big John. Big John. And he said, what's happened to you? He said, I've asked Jesus into my life. He said, well, he said, I can certainly see there's a change there. And from that moment on, on the 8th of January, 1982, I was in W.H. Smith in Clifton once again. And I was walking there, and I saw this book on the shelf, and it was flashing, like lights flashing. And it was this. Now, it's, it's got gold lettering on it. And it says on it, the Good News Bible. Now, I didn't want anything to do with the Bible. I might have said the prayer, but I didn't want anything to do with this. I didn't want anything. But I was drawn to it. And I opened it up, and this is what it said. Hang on. This is what, this is what it opened up at. I, I've got it written here. It had such a profound... It said, keep your lives free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Let us be bold then say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? And what a wonderful thing I was. Anyway, a few weeks after, I'm walking past a church. You, you walk off the suspension bridge and directly in front of you is a church and it's called Christ Church. And I thought, I didn't really want to go into a church. I don't want to turn out to be like you lot. And, uh, and anyway, I went in there and uh, the vicar, his name was James Jones. He, uh, he became the, uh, the Bishop of Liverpool. I you know, became quite friendly with the man. And um, he was reading at a Cosmopolitan magazine. Now, I didn't know that you would read out of a pulpit Cosmopolitan magazine. And, uh, but he, what he did said, he said something about 2 Corinthians 9, no, 2 Corinthians 12. I thought, 2 Corinthians 12, I remember that. I came home not knowing, and I remembered I, I got this Bible, and I looked it up, and this is what it said. It's there somewhere. with. 
Thank you. And this is what it said. But to keep me from being puffed up with pride because of the many wonderful things I saw, I was given a painful physical ailment which acts as Satan's messenger to beat me and keep me from being proud. Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was, my grace is all you need for my power is strongest when you are weak. What an amazing thing. And for me, that was the turning point. I knew that I was going to be strong when I was weak. And what it was, it was said for a, for a man with an ego the side of the Empire State Building and pride the size of an elephant. If there was any aspect of humility, it wouldn't have been me, it would have been him. And coming to an end on this, um, Big John and myself used to take people to church. And we were taking, some days we were getting 30 people in this church <laughs> coming along. We said, come along to church. We would have pews of them. The, and we were, hundreds of people were getting saved by the likes of us, wow. in, us, us lunatics. And anyway, 18 years ago, uh, Big John died. And uh, he hadn't seen his son for 20 years. And uh, they asked me to take the funeral. And uh, his son came up to me at the end. And because uh, they'd been saying what a wonderful father he had. And he didn't know this. He didn't know what his dad had been. All he just saw was the wreckage of the previous life. And uh, he said to me, he said, Paul, thank you for befriending my dad. And uh, so the friendship that John gave me was given back to him. And uh, that is the journey of being saved by grace from a, a, a life of absolute insanity. Insanity. I should be dead. I should be dead. But he... He plucked me out of that place. And the interesting thing now, when that place, the, the, the place that I said this prayer, the one church that allowed John Wesley to preach, I am now a tour guide in the John Wesley Chapel in Bristol, <laughs> the oldest Methodist building in the world. And I get opportunities of witnessing this to people from all over the world. And so, Dave, thank you for asking me. And, you know, all I always say is that you are looking at a miracle, not by me of what he has done. If my parents, which were salvationists, could see their son now, they would be crying with happiness. They'd have been so glad that all the effort they'd put into this madman who was their son caused an absolute chaos in their life. Jesus stepped into him and said, Paul, enough is enough. I've got plans for you. And just finally, I've, Hillary and myself, we found ourselves taking people to Israel. And um, about 20 odd years ago, I was questioning God. I said, is this really what you've called me to do? because my heart was just beating for them. 
I couldn't think of anything else but getting people to Israel and putting their little feet on Zion. <laughs> and the power of Scripture. That day, I opened my Bible. Psalm 48, verse 12, and it says, Go about Zion, count her towers, view her citadels, consider well her ramparts, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God. He will be your God right to the very end. Hallelujah. Paul, Paul, one second. Do you know, I would like Paul to, to pray for us, right? So that we can see God's power at work in our lives. Prayer is powerful. And uh, pa Paul has seen God's power, uh, as you've heard this morning, at work. Hillary too. I mean, Hillary has got an incredible testimony like Paul. And um, maybe later on in the year, both of them again can share because I know many of you would not have heard their testimony. It's just outstanding. And that was just a little aspect, really, Paul, of, you know, the work that the amazing work and wonder that God has done in their in their lives. And we can draw so much comfort and encouragement for our own lives. But I'd like Paul to pray. Um, first of all, you see, some of us may have addictions, strongholds, that we, we struggle with. All of us might. I don't know. It could be in, in the way that we think, right? Or it could be like physical addictions that we are bound by. We won't go through the list, but we all know that they exist. Now, it could be for one person. It could be for many. Listen, this, this service has been arranged for you. Not like Paul said, not, not to go like this. What is it? What is it? No. It's to, it's to start a work of God in your life towards freedom. And that may come suddenly as Paul prays now, or it may come over time as, he, as you walk with Jesus. But also, I'm going to so ask Paul to do two things in his prayer, if that's okay, Paul. To pray for us, to set us free from any addiction, any life habit, any mindset that might be holding us back. But also, I'm going to ask that Paul prays for all of the people outside of this building this morning that have no hope, that, that are where Paul was, bound by drink, bound by drugs. They, they cannot do anything for themselves. Neither can anybody else do anything for them. They are in a hopeless, hopeless state. That's where Jesus comes in. Amen to set them free. So Paul, if you pray, and then I'll just, um, we'll, we'll close, we'll ask the musicians to come. But let's, let's open our hearts now as Paul prays. If you need God to, to set you free, Paul's going to pray, and Jesus is going to break the power that's been, that's been working against you. Yeah, Lord, thank you that um, you know every aspect of our life. We have things in our mind that nobody else knows. We have those places of shame. We have those places of remorse. Oh, I wish it had never happened. I wish I'd never said it. 
Father, you know this. And Lord, I just pray that we will be a one as a family and acknowledge that you know there is no secret that we have that you aren't aware of, but sometimes we are reluctant to just tell you. So, Father, I just pray for these people here that you will give them that release to acknowledge it before you. No more secrets. No more hiding. No more, oh, that's in the past. I'm not looking at that. Lord, we just pray now that you will release this people from any of those things that uh, of, uh, are, are in their minds. We just pray, Father, for a release of it. We pray, Father, that if there's any form of addiction in there, any obsession, obsession is such an awful thing. We just pray, Lord, that you will release them from that and acknowledge that to you. And, Father, we are blessed in here because we know you. But there are walking wounded out there on the streets. They are full of shame, wants to kill themselves. They want to take drugs to take away the fear People want to drink themselves to death because they know no different. We just pray, Father, for those that this, this place here may be a haven for hope. A haven for hope that people will know that there is life. There is life beyond, beyond the insanity of the world. There is hope in this place. There is hope in you. So, Father, now we just break any stronghold that is flowing over Newport that is flowing over Newport, contaminating people's minds and bodies, that you would release them and bring them into that place of freedom that only you can do. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our beautiful and wonderful and glorious and life-changing Savior. Amen. Wasn't that an amazing testimony? Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and singers. We're going to close in just a moment. I want to read to you as they come just from Psalm chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 3. And really, this is a picture of Paul's life. It's a picture of all of our lives. David says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and all they do, and they prosper in all they do. We believe that as we renew our lives in God's Word, as we live for Jesus in the times in which we live, everything we do will prosper. Everything that, we, that, that we're involved in will have God's favor on it. Our, our, the, 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 the leaf of our life, like David said, will not wither but we will be renewed inwardly day by day as we follow Christ and live out this life. Today you may be here in this place or you may be watching online and you've, you've, you've heard what Paul said. You, you've heard about the miracle 
that can take place in life when we just open our hearts to Jesus. And you wonder whether God can do it for you. He can, and He will. It's just simply placing your trust and your faith in Him. Maybe today you're ready to do that. You're ready to leave all of the old things that have characterized your life, that have brought you down, that have been destructive, that have had a hold on you. You want to be free from maybe alcoholism. You may, you, you may want to be free from drug addiction. You may want to be free from fear or f- different phobias that you can't deal with. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He is alive, and He has come to save us from our sin and anything that would seek to destroy us. And when we just simply and humbly, like Paul did, call on Him, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. Save me from my sin. Those words He loves to hear. He loves it when we acknowledge our our, our sinfulness and our, our inability to live life. He loves to hear us acknowledge our weakness and it's in those moments that he's ready to come with his power and change us and renew us if that's you today and you want to receive Jesus Christ into your heart I'm going to pray a simple prayer you could be here you could be watching online listen why don't you pray with me this very very simple prayer and as you do a miracle will take place. Jesus will live in your heart and you will not have a religion, but you'll have a relationship and a walk with Him every moment of every day. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. And right now I'm going to just pray and if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, repeat these words quietly in your heart and a miracle will take place because God God will hear those words and that cry from your heart and respond. He won't ignore. He will respond to it by His Spirit. Say this, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Save me. Help me. Set me free. Please, Let me know this new life that I've heard about this morning. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead and that you're alive. Thank you that you want to be my friend. You want to be my Savior. And I want to make you my Lord. I ask you today to come into my heart right now and let me know your peace, your healing, your comfort. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, this is the greatest day of your life, I'm telling you. A miracle has taken place. Jesus Christ now lives in your heart by faith. Is it that easy? Yes, it's that easy. We don't have to jump through any hoops with God or do any kind of tricks to impress Him. We just have to simply open our hearts and accept Him into our lives. And that's where the wonderful work and the relationship begins 
in him. We'd love to, to give you a Bible this morning. If you're here and you prayed that prayer for the first time on your way out, you can just drop by our welcome uh, table there and you can have a Bible. We'd love to give you that free of charge. And listen, we just encourage you just to keep coming back to the house of God every week, lifting your voice up in in appreciation and praise to God's goodness in your life. Or if you prayed that prayer online this morning, you opened your heart to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Why don't you let us know? Send us an email on our website and we'd love to send you a Bible. We'll send you a Bible if you need one and uh, we'll pray for you and be in touch with you so that you can grow in your walk with God. Come on, let's stand to our feet.